Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey friends, welcome to Heal Squad All-Stars, where you get to hear from our top guests. Think of it as a cheat sheet to a better you. All of the best takeaways from the top experts in one show. Have your notebooks out and get ready to heal, my friends. This edition of Heel Squad All-Stars starts now. I know. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's got there's gotta be a way for us to actively choose the joy, actively choose the path that we want to take because no one is going to come give it to you. Yeah, Santa you know, isn't you, showing I up. That, I say that all the time. I'm like, yo, when you're sitting there in your darkness and your funk. And you're like, why isn't love coming to me? Why isn't joy coming to me? Why is not happiness? Why isn't there peace? Because those things don't thrive in the darkness. They don't, they don't grow in darkness. It's like a plant. You know, if you're, I'm a plant mom, I have lots of plants. And if you ever tried to grow a plant in the dark, it would be shriveled and small. It would still sort of grow, but it wouldn't be healthy and beautiful with those luscious green leaves. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do that. You have to go out to the light in order to get that. And so that's the same thing that I see in our grief and in our struggles and our challenges. It's like, no, you don't just sit back and passively say, why is love not coming to me? Why is happiness not coming to me? You have to go and get it. Go get it. Yeah. Yeah, we always say Santa isn't showing up. (laughs) But, you know, you did that, a really great example of choosing the joy. Um, I I do a little something different. I always say if something bad is happening or I have bad thoughts or whatever, I'm like, nope, what do I want? So this is what I don't want. And I I go, what do I want? And then I start focusing on what I want. And then other times when bad things come in, like fear-based things, I'm like, not my story. It's not mm-hmm. my story. Mm-hmm. And that really helps me too, because it gives me the option, because we don't know 100% that that's going to be our story. We're now pontificating. 
Um, So those two things help me, but you actively chose the joy. And I remember reading this and I loved this when you and your husband, Peter came home from the hospital and they, they had said there was nothing else that they could do for him. Mm -hmm. Um, Though they wanted him to stay there. You guys went home anyway, and you had a party with your, all your friends. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was such a, you know, I, I would like to say that it was a hard decision, but it was actually the easiest thing to go home and throw a party. It felt like, gosh, it makes me want to cry. It's like, it felt like a great send off. You know, it's like when somebody retires from work or somebody's leaving the job and people gather at the bar or they gather wherever and they're just like, yeah, here's to a great one, you know? And it's like, why, why wait until the funeral? to do that. And I think for Peter, especially, he wanted to celebrate his friends and celebrate his life in a way that we were urgent about. We knew we didn't have time. We knew it. And also what a gift that is. So even in that dark moment, what a gift to know that like, oh, okay, the end is coming. So I must celebrate now. There is no choice. I can't wait till Christmas. I can't wait till the next birthday. I can't do it. You know, and I'm so glad we did. I'm so glad we did because this is like the poetry of the universe and, you know, sometimes synchronicity and the way things happen is that Peter died four days before his 44th birthday. And so we actually did have another birthday party. His funeral was his birthday party. But I'm so glad that we decided to party before that. You know, because we wouldn't have made it. Well, I feel like you had said something about it being kind of what you guys did. You it, yeah. so it was organic to you guys. Yeah. And was he doing shots coming home from the hospital with terminal cancer? Am I crazy I mean, that I remember that? Like, why not? I mean, you, can <laughs> go. you know what I'm saying? You might as well do some shots on your way out. I'm you know? all for it, but I was reading it. I'm like, wow. Well, because you just think someone's so weak in those moments. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of 
snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. But it sounds like he got some kind of strength to really get to live in oh, the joy yeah. and live urgently. Like you said, the book is called The Urgent Life. Yes. Um, yes. I, I really do agree with the, the, um, the gift in the knowing, because then you can do the things mm. and say the things, yes. you know, with my mom, when she was passing, I always had the conversations with friends. Like I can't imagine losing someone, losing my mom, um, instantly. Right. I had a cousin mm. that died in a car crash. That was so mm -hmm. devastating to us because, mm -hmm it just, it catches you so off guard and there's nothing you can do. Um, yeah. suicide, you know, you yeah. dealing with Ben, um, that's so hard, but then also there's so much pain that comes in a long terminal illness too. Yeah. And so I've always had those conversations of what's worse. And I just still mm -hmm. keep going back to my problems and choosing mine. And I was like, you know, I got to have every conversation I wanted. I got to cuddle in bed with my mom. Yes. I got to tell her everything I wanted to tell her. Mm. Um, nothing was left unsaid and nobody, you know, other people don't get that when it's mm. last minute, you know, you might've hung up on a, you know, on a fight with somebody and then, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's what I feel that this is the complexity of it all. You know, I felt that way about Ben's death. 
that, um, you know, the guilt I carried around was that when I heard the phone ringing, I was so tired. I was so exhausted by his need and by his depression that I didn't turn around and answer the phone that last time. I'd been on the phone all day and I was just tired. You know, and I just feel, I felt such guilt and I still do to some degree that I didn't say more, that I didn't love him harder, that I didn't do whatever it was that he needed. And the, I know the truth, obviously, after lots of therapy, <laughs> that there is nothing really that I could do. Like, saving his life is not my responsibility. And I know that. I know that intellectually. Emotionally is another thing. And so to your point, it's like, look, when you have the opportunity to revisit losses or tragedies or anything that has happened in your life that feels like, oh, this is going to stop me from doing the next thing, you have this. I'm saying you got to actively choose to be part of the good stuff. I actually learned that even more so in writing this book, that there were many memories in the book that I had packed away, you know, put far, far away. And if I can be totally transparent, I didn't want to write about those things. And it was, I tried to sort of lightly skirt some topics. And then my editor was like, oh no, both. <laughs> you're gonna have to go down in this, you're gonna have to go down here, okay? And get get whatever that was down there and bring it up because that's gonna be crucial to the stelling of your story. And I was like, no, I don't wanna do it. I was fighting it. But the most beautiful thing about that process is that sometimes we look at our experiences and it feels very black and white. And it just feels like it was all good or all bad. But even in excavating those memories, I found some good stuff in there that I had forgotten because I had packed it all so far away. And you packed it in the bad box. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I was like, so, th so this must have been it. therapeutic. Yeah, to some degree, to some degree therapeutic. And also it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like if you've ever gone through an old box of photos, you know, all or the time. old letters and... Sometimes some of those photos make you laugh because they bring up a time and a memory. And sometimes they make you cry. And sometimes it's like, oh, my God, I wish I'd never done that. <laughs> you know? That's what it's like. That's what it's like in writing a memoir. It's like that. What was an example of something you didn't really want to excavate? Oh, I definitely did not want to relive Eve's birth. That, that, actually, not even just her birth, the labor the labor. Um, because, you know, in writing this, I had to do the trick of trying to remember specific detail because I wanted, I wanted my memoir to feel like you were there in the room. You know, I didn't want to talk about things sort of vaguely. I wanted, I wanted you to feel like you were there hearing the beeps and the sounds of the machines and seeing the color of the nurse's uniform and understanding what was happening inside of my body as well. So going into that place was so difficult. I mean, the first time I wrote that chapter, I did sort of write over it. I didn't really talk about the labor of it. And when I was talking to Meg Leader, shout out to Meg, she's my editor, uh, about that chapter, she was like, I know it's going to be tough, but you're going to have to tell us what labor was like with her. 
And one of the parts I write about in the book, in that particular experience that I had locked away, but now with time and opportunity to look back was so beautiful, is that I do remember feeling like it was she and I against the world. You know, that we were both fighting for her life. And even though it didn't turn out triumphantly with her living, I felt so connected to her. And I am proud of us, you know, in fighting for her. And I do think that there's a real opportunity sometimes to um, think about those moments that we want to pack away, that we don't want to think about, that we don't want to talk about, and understand the complexity of our joy and the complexity of our happiness. That it's not always just sunshine. You know, there's some gray clouds in there too but that you can find the joy if you look for it. Where did you find joy in that though? Like I said, I, I found the fight. Joy, yeah, I found joy in, in being proud of us. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I just, I, I feel like we did everything we could. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go out easy. She yeah. didn't go easy, for sure. And so, like, what a fierce little soul she is. You know, I'm proud of that. Yeah. So excavating that is, is what brought that to the surface. I hadn't thought about it that way before. It's a really, really um, cool way to look at that. Mm -hmm. I wish um, my mom could have heard this interview. Oh. <laughs> she lost her baby on Christmas Day delivering. Oh. It's the yeah. worst. Like, I don't know what's worse. I really don't know what could be worse than that. Yeah, that's that's pretty terrible. Tell that's, me, what that's a, a rough pain for both of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially and she carried it every day. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do you, how can you not? You know, it's like look for all of us. It's like don't you mark time sometimes that way? You know, it's like look. I know that, and I talk about this in the book that you know Eve would have been fifteen this year, and I often think about what what her favorite foods would have been. Or like what would have made her laugh? Maybe even what her eye color would be. You know, like I think of, I think about stuff like that all the time. Like sometimes a random thing will happen and it'll be like, poof, right there, a thought. You know? And so sometimes it's like, I don't know that it is possible for us to let our grief go. I don't even think it's, I really don't think it's possible. People say that all the time, you know, like time heals all wounds. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You just learn how to live with the, with the wound. What's interesting too is you hear people they want to start something and it's the very fear that keeps them from starting it but it's the very lack of fear that will give them what they want mm -hmm. and the people that are the most successful in whatever they do are the ones who really don't live in that fear who just feel like i trust life and so i'm going to take this step because my heart says yes and then i'm going to trust that that's the journey whatever it, it shapes up to be and that is enviable to people because it seems like the scariest thing in the world mm -hmm. So, and, and it does feel like that because then when you're bright, shining the super bright light out to the world, if you stand in it, you kind of have to get it. And if you don't stand in it and you're just feeling it on you, it's making a shadow and it's just making you feel worse about yourself. So it's like you're saying, either jump in and shine bright with me, right? Or you're going to feel this. You're going to feel this, especially right now. We're in a time right now where it's step into, step into the direction. If we haven't learned right now that there's no rule 
examples. Like, no, who says that this is a mug? Who made that up? Let me decide it's something else. That's where we are right now. And so as much as it's scary and, and we have real circumstances, we have to pay our bills, take care of our families. But you can, for three minutes a day, do something towards your bigger dream. You can. I don't care if it's why you're going number two. Yeah. You got to give yourself the time to put yourself in the direction that you're going to grow. So for people who are stuck and they know something's not right, yeah. right? Like we all know when something's not right and it could be the early stages of not right or like a little further along when at that point we're, we're deeper in. How do you kind of get people on track? Yes. Well, the most important thing is for people to realize right off that we're not asking anything that's a big time drain or a big commitment. When I say we, meaning anyone in your life that's asking you to grow. They're not, no one's asking you to quit everything or stop everything, but start to add some things in that really show you the beauty of your own heart. And, and the most, the easiest way to unearth that in people is how do you start your day? And most people get up and they immediately are dragged down the street by everyone else's, as I said, shoulds, don'ts, can'ts, won'ts. As soon as they are reaching for their phone and checking social media, which is immediately you're in comparison to compare as a despair and you can get out of there. Or you're reaching into your boss or you're reaching out to see if, you know, you feel good about yourself because other people want you. And then immediately you've handed your life over and your power and your beliefs of your destiny to someone else. But if you start the day with even three minutes of I am the star of the story, whether I don't care if you lay in bed and before you get out of bed, talk to anyone, you just roll in the sheets and, and say 20 gratitudes or you just look out the window and appreciate the sky or you see a piece of art in your room or something you created and you take a few minutes to just really feel that oh, I, I made that or I love that or that's beautiful or I love how I feel. But you could take it a step further and. I get out of bed and I do a, a dance trampoline party immediately. I can't even have my tea until I've done that. And I just go crazy and I make a playlist. <laughs> 30 minutes, I put my timer on. And so I hit everything. I get exercise. I laugh at myself. I'm, I'm, it's goofy. I try to do sexy dancing. It's a mess. <laughs> so you just it's starting the day really making sure that you impress on your subconscious that you're the star of the story, that you set the tone for yourself, that you're put, taking care of yourself first. It's like when you go on the plane and you put your mask on. They tell you, put your mask on first. I used to think that sounded crazy. I'm with my kids. I'm going to do that first. But it's true that if we're not strong, we can't be strong for anyone else. Mm -hmm. I can't be a tree and want to hold the entire ecology of everyone who lives in me if my roots are all damaged. So I think that's really the most important thing is how you start your day. And if, if you have to have five minutes for yourself, even if it's partly where you're getting ready in the morning. If you're brushing your teeth, Sing, put a song on that reminds you of how invincible you feel. So while you're brushing your teeth, that's a moment. I sometimes put Kirtan chanting on in the bathroom while I'm taking a shower, I'm chanting. So incorporate it into your life. I'm not saying to add things, but just start to be more intentional of how you want to feel and change it. You start to feel, you look in the mirror and you're feeling bad about yourself. Well, change that. Start to go, you know what? I love this about you. I don't care if it's I like the one freckle on the left side of your cheek. It's just finding all the ways to start the beginning of your day, whatever time you get up, with making it about yourself and so that you start to walk out the door and everything doesn't hit you with such impact because you're filled up a bit. So that that's the to me, that's the quickest little hack there is to start to make your days and then that will start to translate to your weeks and your months and your years, mm -hmm. making sure that you feel filled up first. Yeah. You know, something you said in one of the videos I was watching was um, how you didn't have, 
time to feel or you didn't want to feel. And I think that a lot of women struggle with this. And even, um, you know, I'll talk to different people who are newly diagnosed with a cancer or whatever. And when I start to explain to them that they need to have a little bit of stillness in their life so they can hear messages that are supposed to come through or um, or just slow the ride down a little bit because they don't even know. I had um, one of our listeners who has a brain tumor, I mean, has a massive brain tumor and has not felt any symptoms. And I said, you absolutely should have been feeling symptoms, but you've been running so ragged for so long. You've not allowed yourself to feel. And now she's starting to feel things. And so it's interesting to me that whole topic of feeling and what we allow and what we don't allow. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because every, everyone, we're all, everyone who's saying any message of growth is, is saying similar things in different ways. And, and that idea of um, stillness is just like what I was saying. When you bring up joy, all of a sudden the real messages come up. But that's exactly why people become so busy or create whatever addiction, because even busyness is an addiction. Anything that numbs you out and takes you outside of feeling your feelings. And so and if you don't have the tools to start to translate these feelings for yourself, when you start this process, it can be really overwhelming. So a lot of the things that, you know, I worked with this incredible life coach for Lauren Zander, who I, the Handel Method, and one of the things that she really promotes is getting accountability partners. And that was a game changer for me because we can bullshit ourselves all day. But if you have, you know, I, I like to say we all need to build our own starting five. So what is the team that's going to win the game of life with you? Oh, I love that. <laughs> and because, you know, I just, I want, I don't want, I, I think that a lot of things in wellness become very leaning to one gender feeling or another. And really all these things are the same. Like how do you win a game is a similar thing to how you great, live a great life. And we're all saying similar things, which is, get out of the addiction that pulls you so out of your heart that you can't feel your own joy. And and the way to do that is to figure out what is your real dream. Your real dream is not, you know, I want to be super busy and get on the airplane and get to a thousand meetings and pitching, whatever it is. Your dream is there's a dream. And we get so to this point where we're feeding the beast, keeping things afloat. Why? What we need to be doing is figuring out what's the dream for all of us. And it doesn't mean you disrupt your life. You you do baby steps to that. But sitting in stillness is how you start to really hear what you need and want. And that becomes very scary for people. And so get an accountability partner. And that starting five is important. It's not people that are going to yes you to death or tell you what you want to hear. The people that really love you have your best interest. And if you don't have a starting, and I don't mean it has to be five people. It could be one person. But you have to have an individual in your life that you really think has your back. And if you don't, make a new one. Mm -hmm. Like we are so scared to reach out to people. But in my life, in my career, I have so many times been like, well, I really want to learn about something. And I've reached out to someone and cold called or asked people or told people what I, was, what I was looking for to see if anyone knew anyone that I could have an informational conversation with. But starting with those accountability partners for it, specifically what you're saying with the brain tumor, is what is the one thing that when you do it, it suspends you in your heart and in your pleasure? So you're, you don't have to get to that scary place of, I'm going to go into meditation and deal with all these voices. Start with something smaller, maybe. Start with something where it's like, I love comedy. So I'm going to I'm gonna work on making one joke 
a week for myself. I'm going to just work on creating a joke a week. Or I loved, I used to paint when I was little. I don't paint anymore because I'm not a really an artist. And I don't care. Take some paint, some paper, and just go intuitively. Whatever colors you feel. No one ever has to see it. But if you loved that once and you start incorporating some of those small things, it starts to open up some memories of things that you used to do and, and to remind yourself to be in a place of joy. I, I mean, I literally... I was judging myself for so long. I am the person behind the artist. I support artists. And I've started doing so much art for myself and really enjoying that and creating different pieces and, and, and figuring out what my passion is around art. And it started with me just going to it for fun, not judging it, enjoying it. And, it's, and it really started to change how I felt about my day to day and what I wanted to do. So putting some of those small things in and things you used to love. I used to love to swing. And when I first started this jo this journey, I would go to playgrounds and I would swing a little bit and just start to feel what that felt like and just try to stay present to that um, and whatever came up around that. Sometimes hard things came up around that, why we don't choose those things anymore, the things that we put in place. But back to your own lover, that's not when you dwell on those things. Then you look at them like the watcher. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then you get back to, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue doing this and remind myself of all the things around this that make me feel great. So cool. I think um, I, I love the advice of really just following what kind of made your heart sing when you were younger. Um, I think it's scary for people because it's easy to be afraid of finding that and then not pursuing it because you're scared, not pursuing it because your current job makes you the money that pays the rent um, and afford you your lifestyle. Whereas that thing over there, I have to shut it down because if I want that, oh, I'm screwed because that would mean I'd have to give up all this and all this certainty to go towards uncertainty. And that's terrifying. And so we'll just shut that down. We'll just push that shit down. And I think that's where it's challenging for people because you know, because that's scary. But what I love about what you're, you're saying is, if you can start to incorporate it in little bits, it's almost like um, reprogramming yourself to kind of go in that direction gently. <laughs> gently, it's realistically. And, and it's, it's, you know, a, a lot of metaphysical teachers say, you know, be nice to Grace, be nice to Maria, like be nice to yourself, be kinder to yourself. So even that is that. And that is the mentality is also an addiction is all or nothing stacking it all onto the bigger if i went towards my dream i have to give up everything and be homeless and you know and 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 and, and not that those are not real realities we do have to take care of our lives mm -hmm. but if you let's say you want to be a stand-up com comedian let's just say and so you write one joke a week that's not that's not uh removing anything else you're doing in your life that's really paying your bills and it's your livelihood nothing it's just starting to put um like one foot in front of the other and he just always taught me about the power of intention and the power that we have with our minds to really write our own script, as he would say. And he would have me do these exercises as a child where, for example, if I said, I'm going to go to the White House, and he would have me do these exercises of writing down what day of the week was I going? What did I have on? Even the point of if I signed a document in the White House, what color was the pen? That I was writing with and it would be so annoying to me <laughs> at 14 but he was teaching me the power of manifestation the power of intention the power of our own minds to really create this reality 
that can be meaningful, impactful for the greater good. And I'm so glad that I kept those poems from my daddy. And and that and that knowing the power, being aware about the power of intention. Um, I need you to, uh, if you would possibly expand on the quote we said at the top, which I've never done this before, by the way. Usually we just read the quote and we go. But I love this one so much because I think this will help a lot of people with their life. Future. I think coming out of the pandemic, I think it's disrupted a lot of people in, in a great way to make them say, hey, you know what? I need to change what's going on around me and I want to do something more intentional or something I'm more passionate about. Um, the quote, where does my greatest joy intersect with the world's greatest need? Can you expand on that? Yes. That quote came to me from my mentor and it was during a time where I was at a crossroads in my life of should I continue with corporate law or should I follow my passion to help transform this criminal legal system? And it was a very hard decision for me to make because I enjoyed my job as a corporate lawyer. I wanted to continue to climb the corporate ladder. I felt an obligation to be the in those rooms where many times I was the only woman and the only black person in the entire boardroom. And I wanted to continue to climb that ladder and blaze the trail for other young women and girls as other people did for me. But I got to the point where justice was calling and it was a tough decision to make because I was comfortable financially with my job. You know, I had a plan on where I wanted to be in the next five years, the next 10 years. And then I was thinking about leaving that to help transform the criminal legal system, you know, and it was so tough. And one of my mentors sent me that quote to help me as I was making this decision. And, you know, what really got me there is I went and talked to my dad one night and, you know, I was telling him about losing financial comfort and not sure what would be out there. And my dad said, BK, that's what he calls me. He said, BK, stop worrying about the challenges and imagine the possibilities instead have to write that down i'm sorry <laughs> stop, stop worrying about the challenges and imagine the possibilities instead and he said i think you know what you need to do and i waited i was no fool my daddy and my mom raised me right i waited about three months and got my annual bonus <laughs> and yeah. then i resigned <laughs> wow. But your greatest joy, which was, you know, uh, helping people who were dealing with injustice, met the need of the many, many, many people who are in, unjustly incarcerated. And I really like that formula for all of us. Absolutely. You know, for like, because, I mean, listen, if I went out to, I don't know, it seems like more and more, but if I go out to, say, a group of young people, you know, they would say, well, my greatest joy is being on TikTok or making TikTok videos. And I'd say, well, okay, but what's the need? Think of the need, you know? So we have a lot of TikTok videos, but maybe it's a, maybe it's TikTok videos around law or something. Mm -hmm. But the point is, I just love this idea of like, what's the greatest joy for you, but then what's the need in the world and how can we intersect them? And I think the need part is the part, for, there's a group of people who won't even look at the joy. They just do what they have to do, and it, I get it. 
And then there's people who just want to do the joy and maybe they don't get the joy and they get angry or they don't get their, they don't get the rewards from the joy and they get upset, but they never take the time to look at the need. It's brilliant. It really is. It, it is definitely a, something that resonates with me, you know, because I, I get joy out of helping people. You know, it is a privilege for me to do this work. It's an honor for my clients. They're trusting me with their lives. And that's something I don't take lightly, you know, and, and it's definitely something that gives me a lot of satisfaction to be able to see them free and living life after life, as we like to say, you know, because they're really, there's really nothing more urgent than freedom. So I, I want to ask Brittany, when, when Chandra gets freed, and I'm sure you're there when she's let out, what, is, what does she say to you? Mm. You know, she, we had the conversation. Her daughter went to, to pick her up a couple of weeks after we got the news she was going to be free. And she's always been so positive throughout her entire incarceration, but she had gotten to a place where she was being challenged. Her daughter was expecting her first baby. And Sharonda was just feeling devastated that she wasn't going to be able to be there. And we didn't have any word from the White House. Our petition had been pending for two years at the time. And we were worried. You know, her daughter was worried. How am I going to raise a baby without my mom? You know, and Sharonda was just devastated at the thought. And I remember having the call with her to tell her that her life had been saved. And she started crying. Mm. I started crying. And she just thanked me for over and over. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. You worked so hard for this, she said. And then she said, I get to be there for the baby. And that was so fulfilling for me because I knew the struggle of the, just the mere thought that she wouldn't be there for the birth of her first grandchild. And just and got to be there for the baby. You got, like, it's, listen, Game, set, match. You could just re like retire on that in your life that you saved and so grandly affected one life to go on and do so many others. Um, so got a, such a wonderful feeling. But, you know, I mean, the, the people have to feel indebted for, <laughs> I know I would be. Uh, not that you call them on it, but it's just, I don't know, it's just wonderful. It really is. I guess I'm not, I'm able to even put it into words. But to have done so many um, and I, I think even getting through to, uh, the Trump administration, I, I commend you for that too. You got, right. You were able to free a few people under that administration as well. Yes. Four people. Four people. How many in total now, Brittany? Personally, myself, I've helped free 25 people who were set Holy to die. Wow. I gotta hang out with Brittany and get some Me of that too. good karma. <laughs> Twenty, wow, That's amazing! Oh my goodness, wow. Was it was it different to go through that administration versus Barack? Or is it the same? Is it the same thing? Is it just dealing with the council? It was much different. Oh really? The process was completely different. There was no process. You know, it was more relationship based than ever before. You know, it was. It was different. And so I'm hopeful this new administration that we see a reinvigoration of the clemency process, that we see clemency is granted on a much larger scale to many, many more 
people, you know, and, you know, yeah, it's time that we, we continue to all join together in this transformative work because it definitely impacts us all. It impacts us all. You know, I think that's the one thing we have to remember. We are all, sorry, we're all connected. Yes. And it's going to affect everybody. It's, it, you, you can only sweep things under the rug for so long. And um, so we can either, you know, fight and, and keep being angry and fight each other or whatever, or we can say, it's time to clean stuff up, you know, and, and, and work together and, and watch how great this will affect us. And we'll see it. I'm very confident we're going to see it with our children and our grandchildren. Yeah. I think they're going to laugh at a lot of the stuff. They won't laugh like it was funny, but they're going to say, you guys were insane. Like they're going to look at us like we had 10 heads. It's going to be much different. And I'm hopeful. I am too. You know, always hopeful. And, you know, even with Sharonda talking to her every day and knowing the impact she has on every single person she meets. There's I mean, a ripple effect of her freedom yeah. that stands far beyond her and her daughter and her granddaughter. You know, it's systemic change in the way she lives her life. And it's just it's just beautiful to witness and empowering when you think that this woman was set to die in prison. Then along came Brittany. Brittany. Along came Brittany. So Brittany, I mean, would you ever consider politics? I very likely would not. Good. <laughs> no, only because it's like, I think it's like, uh, because my wife always says, oh, I want us. And I'm like, no, I just, I think, um, I just think it's, it's, it's too much. It's, 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 it's an, it's a lot on a, on a person. And, uh, uh you know, we all have our lanes and I, I'm going to stay in mine. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Not that, by the way, you'd be amazing. An amazing leader. Well, you know, you can get behind the other people too. I think that's the cool thing about media as well. You know, as as your story, as your book gets out there, and I encourage people to buy the book. Um, I think that that only helps you because the, the the young girl that had to get you know articles published for you know that your first case. Now it's nicer that maybe you pick up the phone and go, "Come on, it's me." Yeah. Give come mm -hmm. on top of the pile with this one. This is you know, and I think that's really cool. I yeah, really do. Yeah, it really has. Brittany, I want to know, what is the best piece? I know you have a lot of good stuff from your dad, but is there one piece of advice that you would say is one of the best things you've ever received? Oh, there's been so many. You know, I would say, you know, I say, I'll go back to my dad, you know, and I know I'm, I go to him a lot, but I think it's important to show that Daughters and fathers have very strong relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's important. And my daddy, his advice, I just carry with me all the time. And one of the greatest pieces of advice that he gave me is just to know that everything that I need to succeed is within me. Mm -hmm. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you.
Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.